0: They, after this good review of what's going on in Romania, then we're going to go talk about judgment for oh, Israel. Right. This, is, <laughs> this is kind of sad <laughs> to have to do this, but um, I should have a better passage than this for today, and we just scrap this and go to something else, but we're at Isaiah 29. Uh, the passage actually has the second and third of the woes in this whole section 20... Um, uh, twenty eight to thirty three um, so we're we're working our way through this um, this is again against the background of uh, the threat of Assyria against Israel uh, Assyria is a nation in northern iraq uh, that was where they were functioning in the area where the Kurds are yes this is where um, the Assyrians were They were an extremely powerful uh, group of people. They were exceedingly skilled at at warfare and at terror, um, which, okay, I saw some (laughs) goes without saying (laughs) (laughs) um, expressions. Um, But the passage is important. The first woe will be, well, here, let's just survey it. 29:1 29:1 to 14, woe against David's city, and then um, verses 15 to 24, woe to those who re- rely on foreign alliances. We'll have a little more to say about foreign alliances than we've had, but um, the the important thing at this point is for us to be aware that Judah is is the subject here. It's not really Assyria. It's it's going to include promise of judgment against Assyria, but the whole point is Judah's under judgment because they don't trust the Lord. And so we go into the first woe, woe against David's city. Verses 1 to 4, Ariel will become an Ariel. And I know that's clear as mud, we'll try to clear it up as we go. Uh, Verse 1, Ah, Ariel, Ariel, uh, the city where David encamped, and year to year, let the, I can't see to read and I can't speak into the microphone unless I can have it up here. Uh, add year to year, let the, let the feasts run their, their round. Yet I will distress Ariel, and there shall be moaning and lamentation, and she shall be to me like an Ariel. And I will encamp against you all around and besiege you with towers. I will raise siege works against you. You will be brought low, for the earth from the earth you shall speak. From the dust your speech will be bowed down. Your voice shall come from the ground like the voice of a ghost. And from the dust your speech shall whisper. Now what is this Ariel becoming an Ariel? <laughs> the word Ariel, Hebrew does this a lot. He, it uses a word that can mean one thing in a context where it means something else. So, Hebrew has very few compound nouns. Uh, you know what, a perhaps a compound noun, I can't think of a single one at this point. Um, Groundworks. Hmm? Groundworks. Groundworks? Groundwater. 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 Uh, a, a, it's two nouns that have been put together, yes, as a single word. Ari in Hebrew means uh, lion, and you know Ale, Lion of God. Then it would mean. Um, I checked several translations last night, just to be sure I knew what I was talking about. I'm reading from the NA, from the ESV this morning, and I checked the ESV. This must be an old edition of it. They they are updating the ESV regularly uh, because language updates. Language changes quickly. Are, are you with me here? I, I may have told you about a story where Jan was speaking to our, our youth group in Memphis, and she said, Now, what was Jesus like? And you know Jan, yes? She's never just, What was Jesus like? What was Jesus like? And one kid in the back, and I'll leave this to you to figure out, he said, He was bad. And she said, No, he wasn't. <laughs> This <laughs> brokenhearted. Anybody would think Jesus was bad. But that was good. <laughs> this, of course, was uh, many years ago. But the, the point is that language changes even from generation to generation. Uh, and so translations need to keep up with it so that we don't miscommunicate. Does that make sense to you? Uh, Forty years ago, the word booty meant plunder taken in battle. And some of our some of our modern translations use that word for plunder taken in battle, but it doesn't communicate that today. Yes. So uh, the ESV has a a a large translation committee that is constantly looking for changes that need to be made because of the changes in language to keep it up to date. This is an older edition. The new ESV that I looked at last night on the computer. Um, Talks about a, a an altar hearth, because the word ariel in Hebrew can also mean altar hearth. It's the part of the altar on which you build the fire and burn the meat. Okay, so in verse uh, verse um, two, yet I will distress the lion of God, and there shall be mourning and lamentation, and she shall be to me an altar hearth. I have a note in this text that Ariel can mean um, even hero. I'm not sure. I, this is probably true in some general sense, but I didn't see anybody translating it that way. Are you with me here? Yes, ma'am. My footnote says Lion of God or Jerusalem. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, a name used for Jerusalem in the context. So it's the city where David camped. So it's, it's a name here used to refer to Jerusalem. But in Ezekiel. In a couple of passages in Ezekiel, it's specifically uh, tied to um, an altar hearth. Do, do, I, I know you've been spending a lot of time in Ezekiel, and especially in chapters 40 to 48, uh, all the instructions for building the new temple. Amen? Those, those you, I, you know, I know some of you just build your lives on the instructions for the gate building in the new temple. But it talks on two or three occasions about the altar hearth, the platform on which you build the fire for the altar. So what, what God is saying to Jerusalem is, you have been the Lion of God. You're going to be an altar hearth. Everything's going to be burned. And we read it in verses 3 and 4. I will encamp against you all around, besiege you with towers, and so forth. Yes? Verse 5, now, verses 5 to 8, the Ariel becomes an Ariel again. So, But this time, the word Ariel is used in a different sense. We're moving back to Lion of God. So look at verse 5. But the multitude of your foreign foes shall be like small dust, and the multitude of the ruthless like passing chaff. And in an instant, suddenly... You will be visited by the Lord of hosts with thunder, with earthquake and great noise, with whirlwind and tempest, and the flame of a devouring fire, and the multitude of all the nations that fight against Ariel. All that fight against her and her stronghold and, her, and distress her shall be like a dream, a vision of the night. As when, verse 8, as when a hungry man dreams he is eating and awakes and his hunger is not satisfied. This is probably referring to the Assyrian attack on Jerusalem that's coming in Isaiah six and 37. Are you with me here? The king has these grandiose claims, and, and, and they're, they're not grandiose to the, in the sense that they are beyond reason. They are quite reasonable given all of his experience. He has conquered many nations by the time he gets to Jerusalem. He has all these grandiose claims, he's looking for one more city to conquer, one more place to, to plunder, yes? One more place to find um, uh, slaves to go sell on the slave market. Great wealth. But he's going to awake, like verse eight says, when a hungry man dreams he's eating and awakes with his hunger not satisfied, or as when a thirsty man dreams and he is drinking, and awakes faint with his thirst not quenched, so shall the multitude of all the nations be that fight against Mount Zion. So Ariel becomes an Ariel and then returns to being an Ariel. <laughs> the Lion of God becomes a heart of, uh, a, 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 an altar hearth, but then God restores her status as the, Mount, the Lion of God in verse 7. Do you, do you follow this? Yes or no? Not completely. Okay. We're using the same word in different senses. So Ariel, line of God, Ariel altar, altar hearth. Okay? He's going to judge her. Jerusalem is judged in the attack by the Assyrians. Um, Judah was of was the largest of the tribal allotments in, in Israel. Huge territory, not much use, <laughs> a lot of desert in it, but huge territory. Uh, enormous compared to any of the other tribes. It was quite a bit larger than any of the other tribes. But when the Assyrians leave, they have captured everything so that Isaiah says in chapter 8, uh, it's going to be like a flood has come into you from the great river. Assyria coming from Euphrates. A flood is coming to you from the great river, and it's going to flow until it, it's like a man standing in the water with only his neck and head standing out of the water. So the territory of Judah will be reduced to Jerusalem and its immediate surroundings. That's all that's left. There's judgment for Judah. Their trust in foreign alliances, their failure, and this, this includes in some measure Je- Hezekiah. Um, Hezekiah has, has to be called to faith, in effect. Read Isaiah 36 again, and 37. And see Hezekiah acting in faith, but also Isaiah calling him to faith. So he has to be called to faith, and he finally does, and this brings a a brief respite for the nation of of Judah. Not much, but some. Verse 9, though, the inscrutable judgment awaits, verses 9 to 14. Astonish yourselves and be astounded blind yourselves and be blind be drunk but not with wine stagger but not with strong drink for the lord has poured out upon you a spirit of deep sleep this is odd that word is not used very often but that in hebrew that word is used a few times for for occasions when salvation comes or revelation from god comes here it's time when you've come out of one of those naps maybe where you just feel like your brain isn't working very well you remember this? you've done this at some time yes Um, Sixto just did Um. (laughs) well he was nodding so vigorously I was convinced that he was agreeing (laughs) Jim is this the same as when God put Adam in a same word and is it the same as when he put Abraham in a so, but this is used in a different way. Now it's going to be staggering, and you've gotten up to go someplace after you wake up. You walk across the room, and you're you're staggering. Yes, this is this is Judah, um, for the Lord has poured out upon you a spirit of deep sleep, and has closed your eyes, the prophets, and has covered your head, the seers. Um, I just. I want you to say. I want you to understand something very important here. This is not people, Not this is not something people recognize when it happens. Turn to John nine. In John nine, almost surely there is a, the same idea here. There's probably no reference to Isaiah, but in John nine thirty nine, Jesus. This is the passage. You remember it where Jesus uh, healed the man born blind, yes? And so he's been speaking about light and darkness in these last verses before verse 39. Verse 39 says, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you now you say we see, your guilt remains. <clears throat> they're blind but they don't know it. They think they can see. They think they're the only ones who can see. Yeah. But isn't in the passage in Isaiah, isn't the Lord saying the prophets are the eyes mm-hmm. of Israel? Yeah. Took them away yeah. From? But they but they don't realize that they the, the only prophets they listen to anyway are false prophets. So he doesn't take the false prophets away, he takes the true prophets away. I'm not gonna give you any more prophets. And from Isaiah and Micah in the eighth century until you get down to well, I'm this is this is an overstatement, but but almost it's the case that by the time you get to Jeremiah. He's only almost the next prophet that comes along. That's not quite true. But, but the other prophets are kind of sporadic. And that's a whole century that elapses. Am I making sense to you? So they don't know that they're blind. It goes on, verse 11. Um, and the vision of, uh, of all this has come to you like the words of a book that's sealed. When, when, uh, when men give it to one uh, who can read, saying, read this, he says, I cannot, it's sealed. And when they give the book to one who cannot read, saying, read, he says, I cannot read, they're blind. Are you with me here? God has blinded them. Um, the entrance of light gives more light. But to refuse the light brings greater darkness. And the Lord said, Because this people draw near me... You, you remember this? Because this people draw near, near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. Mark chapter 7. While their hearts are far from me for, uh, and their uh, fear of me is a commandment taught by men. Therefore, behold... I will again do wonderful things with this people. The the word wonderful here, it it always entails for us at least something positive, something welcome. That word is possible. You can translate that word that way, but shocking is another possibility. And I think this is the way it ought to be read in this passage. Do shocking things to this people with shock upon shock and the wisdom of their wise men will perish. You see why I think I should read this—not wonderful, but shocking. And the discernment of their discerning men shall be hidden. That's the second woe. Is is, is God blinding them, or are they already blinded? Yes. Yes. (laughs) It's both. Uh, God blinds them, but at least the order in the text is that he calls them to blind themselves, and then he blinds them. Yes. It's just the same connotation of when Jesus speaks in parables and said, you yeah. know, he speaks to the believers, mm-hmm. those who, yeah. who think they know and they don't, mm-hmm. they're just going to be blind. Yeah. Okay. Yes. By application, can you see anything in our system that looks much like this? Oh, yes. Um, well, not just the Jews. Um, the dominant influence in our culture is saying that they are the, um, the most moral, the most ethical in all of history. Evolution has reached its pinnacle with them. And I wonder, okay, in the next generation, who's going to be evolutionarily supreme? Are you still going to be, or is it...
1: Are you with me here?
0: Uh, They have chosen blindness, and blindness is their root. And they cannot see anything in the light because they've rejected all light. Um, What if you determined... did, Did you ever watch the Star Trek television shows... Okay, oh, you should. It's part of, goodness sakes, it's part of being a cultured American to watch stuff. Have, have you Have you no know culture? Goodness sakes. Culture, well, my wife watches it. I don't. Uh, uh, culture is something, however, that grows in Petri dishes, so I just point that out. That's uh, the whole there's a character in in the uh, one with uh, um, uh, Patrick Stewart, who, who plays uh, the captain. There's a fellow named Jordy, who sees in all the spectra except the the spectrum of light. Are you with me here? It's it's as if they've all chosen. We're not going to see visible light. We're only going to see everything else, and so everything's distorted. Everything's different. He's uh, he's learned. To interpret all that, Do you, am I making sense to you? Is a, a Rush Limbaugh, who has the cochlear implant, hears, but it's distorted. Are, are you with me here? Even his voice has become distorted over the years, I, or it's not different, at least than it was when he was hearing. My point is simply that these people have chosen a certain set of reality. To ignore. And they're not going to see it. So the second, by the way, here are some references in the New Testament to these verses we've just come through that might be useful to you in thinking about what's going on here and what the significance of it is. Rick, did you want to say more? Did you say also that we were originally at least looked at as being built on Judeo-Christian principles and people who Early visit of our country yeah. we went back to Europe and referred to us yeah. as a Christian nation. Right. And at the beginning, the Bible was taught in our schools. Yeah. So now that we as a nation have gone so far away from it, yeah. I wonder if judgment may come to us. Oh, we're already under judgment. Yeah, Romans. Romans, Romans listen, read Romans chapter one and see. Mm-hmm. Uh, a fellow back in the nineteen sixties was was a, he was a professor at Denver Seminary. I heard him speak in a tape in Oklahoma that, that he did in Oklahoma City. Um, um, Ralph Kuyper, I would think, was his name. Um, Dr. Kuyper said he was on the the beach in San Francisco, in uh, Los Angeles, doing evangelism. Came across a young man, and he he saw the young man said, "Well, how do I know this is true? Can you show me that your book is true?" He said, well, let me have you turn, we'll turn to a passage, let's read it and see if you think, see he was saying to this young man, you're lost, let's see if you think that this is telling the truth or not. And he had him turn to Romans 8, I'm sorry, Romans 1, 18 to 32, and just read through that. I forget how Dr. Kuyper characterized the man's response, but it was something to the effect, have you been reading my mail? yeah. Uh, it's, it's 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 the newspaper every day, um, and it's gotten worse since the 1960s. Um, so, yeah, a lot worse. Verses 15 and 16. The the issue here is that these leaders, so-called prophets, so-called seers, these governmental leaders are making plans, but they haven't included the Lord in them. So, verses 15 and 16. Um, ah, you who hide deep from the Lord your counsel, whose whose deeds are in the dark, and who say, Who sees us? Who, who knows us? You turn things upside down. Shall the potter be regarded as the clay? That the thing made should say of its maker, He's not made us. Or the thing formed say of him who formed it, He has no understanding. That, of course, is referred to in Romans chapter 9. But they actually think they can hide things from the Lord. Because, I've I've quoted this too many times, I imagine you're going to get weary of this, but Voltaire is supposed to have said, God created man in his own image and, and man has returned the favor. So, I have a God who is just like me. That means I can trick him, Yes, I can lie to him. Can Convi- I? Boy, I'm a good talker, so I can. can I can convince that guy that I'm telling the truth when I'm lying out of my face. Are you with me here? But they haven't taken into account who God really is. So, verse 17 uh, through 24: a coming reversal in the positions of the noble and the common. Um, so. This is an odd passage, a little hard to, to, to um, think about. Sometimes in the geographic changes that are in view here, we think of them as being this eschatological judgment that's going to turn everything upside down. But I think in the context, Lebanon is a reference to uh, uh, the Assyrians. Why should Lebanon be? Because they've just been campaigning up in Lebanon. Turn to Isaiah 36 just a moment. Let me show you what I'm referring to. It may actually be in 37, but we'll start with 36. Um, uh, Verse uh, 18, we'll do it. Beware lest Hezekiah mislead you. This is the uh, head of the army. Of the Assyrians the um, the Assyrian king is is besieging a city southeast of southwest of Jerusalem at the time, and he says, "Beware lest Hezekiah mislead you by saying, "The Lord will deliver us. Has any of the gods of the nations delivered his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Well, they happen to be in the plunder train." All the wagons carrying all the plunder from all the cities. Their gods are in the tra- in the wagons. Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim? Have they delivered Samaria out of my hand? Samaria at least gave lip service to the fact that they worshipped Yahweh. Um. Who among all the gods of these lands has have delivered their their lands out of my hand? That the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of my hand. Am I making sense to you? This is this is just He's been campaigning. The cities that he just we mentioned are up in Lebanon, what is today Lebanon, in the mountains of Lebanon. So back to Isaiah 29, uh, verse 17. Is it not yet a very little while until Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field? And the fruitful field shall become, it will be regarded as a forest? In that day, the deaf shall hear uh, the words of a book. We think immediately of Jesus, and Jesus actually refers to this passage in Matthew 11. But stay in the context. Are there deaf people in the context? yeah are there blind people in the context maybe we should maybe we should let that control the immediate sense eventually it's going to be talking about jesus but right now in that day the deaf shall hear the words of a book and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind shall see the uh, the deaf the blind are probably judah as they come to see the saving work of god that he's going to do on their behalf with the Assyrian king. What's the book? Well, it's there's no particular book. It, but above, you took a book to somebody and said, read it, but he was blind, he couldn't do it. Okay. So it's just using the same imagery. So verse 19, The meek shall obtain fresh joy in the Lord, and the poor among mankind shall exult in the Holy One of Israel. For the ruthless shall come to nothing, and the scoffer cease. All who watch to do evil shall be cut off who by the, uh, the word I'm sorry I can't read who by a word make a man out to be an offender and lay a snare before him who reproves in the gate and with an empty plea turn aside him who is in the right. These now these are the people the ruthless are not even the Assyrians per se, but the wicked judges in Judah who will be judged, but the poor will be delivered. And he goes on, verse 22. Therefore, thus says the Lord who who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob. Jacob shall no more be ashamed. No more shall his face grow pale. For when he sees his children, the work of my hands in his midst, they will sanctify my name. They will sanctify the Holy One of, of Jacob and will stand in awe of the God of Jacob and those who go astray in spirit will come to understanding and those who murmur will accept instruction when they see that morning when they woke up and they went out to the guards that were on the the watch posts on the wall to see how things were going with the Assyrians they report nobody in the camp yes are you with me? They go out and check the camp, and all the proud have been humbled. Lebanon has become a fertile field. Are you with me? They're they're delivered. And for a time, at least, it's like 9-11 for us. The weeks after 9-11, church attendance skyrocketed. But it was only a time. Uh, Judah remains a people who are dallying, toying with other means of help than the Lord. Now, finally, just by way of application, I want to emphasize this is not about the American government. This is about us. We think the ballot box is going to solve our problems. We think a political party is going to solve our problems. Folks, you have nothing to hope for in a political party. The only thing you have to hope for is your God. And he has a plan that does not include the United States. That is, as part of the solution to the world's problems. Are you with me? What I, we're part of the problem. what, what what I'm talking about brothers and sisters is not figuring out what we think is right and, and pleading with God to do it. It's finding out what his plan is and getting intimately involved in it. And then come what may the dead shall live. Yes? Come what may unlike soldiers in a in a useless war who die they die for no purpose yes you never are serving to no purpose you are always purposeful but you must know the plan of the lord what he's about and how you're getting involved in it so let's close with prayer and then shall i go ahead and pray for the food yeah. yeah, glory food. I, one, the one thing that's wrong about these kinds of days is there are no donuts. I don't know how to live without donuts. That's my medicine. I get my medicine once a week here. I don't get donuts any other day of the week. And there are no donuts. Well, I do so? Let's let's close with prayer. Father, we are guilty like Israel, of offering you our plans and telling you how you should how you should. Uh, carry them out when you have planned and we must find our place in it you have begun to give us a place in it by making us your children you have also given us instruction about your plan and how it how it's going to work out what we can expect what what role we may play in it Father give us a heart for your plan cause us to to give up reliance upon all the things we've always relied on all of our lives and find our stability in no other place than the one person who is stable, our great and living God. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. Amen.